Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome this is back a Rogue to Media the Network next podcast. episode of the Teach Me Pokemon welcome podcast. Welcome, everybody, As to always, Teach Me Pokemon, the podcast. Jared. I'm your host, Corey, and along Corey. with my co-host, We're doing Jared. It up. We're we best friends. Talking about been Pokemon, playing Pokemon for a very game, long time. The competitive scene, getting ready to be a more proficient Pokemon player, all the things, Jared. Uh, I'm glad to do another episode with you. Christmas, everything go okay with, with the fam and all that stuff. Yeah, Christmas was great. Uh, Pokemon cards were a part of our Christmas, thankfully. So, and I think uh, my son Elijah and I have really settled in on, in this new year, we're still going to play competitively, go to league, but we're really going to try to hone in on collecting. Um, So I think that's a good, that's a good fun thing to do. It gets you interested in the cards, reading the cards. It's good for him. So I think that's going to be a big goal for us in 2024. I think that's fun because it, it like gets you excited opening packs and, and you still can like play competitively and still be about that. But you want Elijah to like enjoy. Yeah. I'm all about it. As as soon as he comes to me and he's like, yeah, I want to practice and go regularly. Great. But I can tell when we go to league, he's way more excited to trade at this at eight years old. I probably would be more excited to trade than I would be to necessarily play. He's there to play, to get a pack and call it a day. No, I love that, man. Yeah, I think sometimes we get too wrapped up, even on the sh- on the podcast sometimes, about like just competitive, 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 when in reality it's like, you're having fun doing this and you want him to enjoy it. The rest will come. The rest will follow if, if that's going to happen. So, I agree. Cool. I agree. All right, man. Well, this is typically what we do. We'll dive in. We try to talk about either a regionals or a big tournament going on, and then we, and then we end with our educational tip of the episode. Uh, so Jared, what we're going to do, you know, we didn't have any major tournaments happening in, in, in North America or Europe, but we did have the Japanese cup league cup, whatever they call it. These are massive tournaments. This was in, uh, Kyoto, Japan. Oh yes. Uh, you know, 3000 players just wild. You know, when we had Kyle Sablehouse on, you know, he told us like, it was like what 20,000 people try to get into these things. And then it's like a lottery. So insane. Um, Japan obviously is the trendsetter for this, right? It's where the game was created. The world was there last year. It was a huge deal. Um, they play a little different than we do. They can use different cards. Although every card in all these sets are the same ones that we have available to us. So that's good. But Jared, do you know that their tournament structure, so they do nine rounds. It's a best of one. I was just reading this. Yes. Yeah. Best of one, 25 minutes. And if you get to seven wins, then you move on. So that's how it works. You got to basically get 
get the seven wins, do seven and two, or if you go seven zero, you just move on to day two. Then day two, still best of one until you get to a top 16. And then guess what? It's still a best of one <laughs> until a champion is crowned. So it's like kind of crazy how they play over there. But I mean, we, we would all be like foolish if we weren't looking to the Japanese, um, you know, uh, scene to kind of predict what, what we should be running. Right. Is, is that, would that, would I be right there? Or, or am I, no, am I giving I, Japan I, too much credit? No, I think you are. And I think we have to have a discussion just about the size and longevity of a tournament here that we're experiencing in North America. Day one is nine best of three rounds. And then the next day is another six. And I mean, that is a lot of Pokemon. Now, the advantage of that is, yes, probably in a BO3, we see this in a lot of other sports the, the you know, the best of the best can dog it out in a best of three where anything like what, like what we play at league is all best of one. Anything can happen, right? Anything can happen in yeah. a best of one and you may just hit a bad luck, but I'm honestly looking at this and saying, I think I'd rather play in that and in what's oh. happening here in Kyoto. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Give me in that tournament. <laughs> give me, just give me best of ones and, and let's roll. But, like, but you'll but, notice what's not here because of the time limit. But there's a couple of them towards the bottom <laughs> of the top six. There's there's two. There's two guardies. There's two. No, I no, I'm not. No, I'm not talking about Gardevoir. Oh. I'm talking about Snorlax. They no because it's. I believe if if I don't know what the exact rules are, but in a 25 minute, I believe it's you know zero through three, and then whoever has the most prize cards. Yeah, and and, and a tie. Ties are still not great in NA. But in Japan, that's a loss because you you got to get seven wins. Yeah, got to so get a the tie. Down. Yeah, a tie is a loss. So, but I, I, but but I, I want to bring this to preparation real quick, and then we'll dive into the top sixteen uh, list because I think they're pretty cool or they're different. But last year's Worlds, Jared, there was only uh, one Japanese player in the top eight, only three in the top sixteen. I think. Europe and NA are getting better practice. And when they get to Worlds, you have a lot of Japanese players that are so used to this quick 25-minute game. Now they're playing best of three, 50 minutes. I don't think they're being prepared. I think America, Europe, you know, Latin America are, are preparing their players better for the world scene because it's best of three, 50 minutes. Absolutely. It's like what we were talking about a week or two ago. It's almost like playing online versus playing in real life, like format differences matter just for the repetition of what yeah. is going on. hundred percent. I totally yeah. agree with you, but I, I can't look at this. Like you said, and fault the, uh, this day must move so much quicker. Mm -hmm. and, it must and, be and, done. Yeah. It must be over so fast. I mean, four hours, maybe, or oh, maybe more than that, but like, shoot, man, San Antonio starts at eight in the morning and you know was getting out of there 7 30 and it's a 12 hour day you know so the other thing i like here top four players earn an automatic invite to worlds gotta oh, love yeah, that gotta love that do you think well i don't know how their lottery system works but if like we flew over there and we got into a tournament and we got top four would we make it to worlds from a japanese tournament or would they not honor that i don't know that's a great question i don't know how the systems integrate yeah. I would hope I would hope that it would be uh, it would be honored and I I would be honored to represent Japan in in, in, in worlds that would be an honor 
you'd see names like Haruki, Shuma, Kazuki, Jared, Shota. <laughs> I, you know, it just wouldn't look right. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to kick, kick us off here. I'm going to read this top 16 real fast, rapid fire. And then, and then you tell me if there's one that sticks out to you and, and why. Okay. So we had the winner was Lost Box Kyogre, not, um, you know, we're familiar with that deck. It's one couple of our regionals piloted by some Canadian players, but Lost Box Kyogre, we had Turbo Roaring Moon was second. That was interesting. Golden Go with Palkia, Mew VMAX, Arceus, Zorora, Flying Pikachu. That's crazy. Charizard, you had a Rapid Strike Urshifu with Iron Valiant. I want to talk about that one. Uh, Giratina, Charizard, Giratina, uh, another Lost Box, Arceus, T- Arctina, Guardi, Guardi, probably were better players than me, uh, Charizard EX and Charizard EX. So um, those were the top 16, Jared. I know I did it really quickly there. We've seen, obviously, a lot of Charizard, which, you know, is huge in our scene as well. But wh- what stuck out to you of those top 16? I think I I don't look a lot farther than second place in the turbo roaring moon. We yeah. actually, before we started recording today, we're like, <laughs> we're digging into this and we we're looking, we're looking at this deck and we're like, yeah, this all seems pretty standard until yeah. you get to this fusion strike card that we weren't super familiar with. And this individual was running four cross Seaver, an old fusion strike item card, very similar to cross stitcher. You play two of these, you have to play two at the same time, but then this lets you put a Pokemon or a supporter card from your discard pile back in your hand, which is really interesting because it, it, this feels like, again, this is just another consistency play it is my read on it. Like this is a, you know, a more expensive VS seeker, a or get a pokemon when you really need it uh but but what's also interesting about this deck and where i think this flows better because this becomes a very item centric deck is the one one dark rye v v star which as we all know that ability that v star ability lets you get two item cards back out of your discard pile so this thing is busted like this i thought i was running gas when i was run at at pax unplugged running in just the pickup games this makes that what i was running look silly this is awesome it is really cool i think if you were to show this to me pre-tournament i would have been suspect or it was suspicious if this would have done well simply because i feel like some of the starting hands could get a little clunky like if you started two cross switcher two cross siever you know it's not like it's like that doesn't help you early game and this deck is all about going, but really at the end of the day, you get one uh, ultra ball, you get a you get a battle VIP, you get a net ball, like you're going because you can get the squawk and, and get moving. And you are having to discard cards at the beginning, most likely. So you're able, I, Jared, I bet there was never a time this guy um, uh, pulled off the double cross receiver play. Um, uh, Shuma, I'm getting Shuma. I, I think one of those is always gone. I think in your mindset, if you're playing this deck with this list, you're using that one time. Because I think it'd be rare to hold all four cross receivers. Yeah. I agree. Right? Or, I agree. I but, but the mindset makes sense to me because I can't tell you how many times in playing this deck on mm-hmm. live or in person, you, you just have these, as much item support as you have in this deck, you have these really awkward hands where you're like, I can get the squawk ability, but I'm going to have to discard two Sedas. 
I'm going to have to discard some, most of the issues where I didn't have the energy and the discard and Mm -hmm. I had cards that were reliant on me getting stuff out of the discard. So I think this is great. It solves a lot of problems. It cut down on the Pokemon line. What I was running had four roaring moons, two squawks, a little more dependability there. But this is, I mean, you don't, you don't just go 12 and two on lists like this accidentally. Uh, Totally. And, and again, they're going through a competitive field. Tons of people are at these tournaments. Japan has an incredible amount of, of players that are devoted to this game, like that are probably considered semi-pro or pro or whatever you want to call it over there. So, yeah, to go 12-2, and two, best of ones probably do help this deck. Yeah, I was just about to say that too. I agree. Yeah, but still very impressive. And kudos to Shuma for coming up with um, a deck with two with a card that you and I had no idea what it was, and you and I spend more time than any thirty-five year old people should be spending on Pokemon the card game. Um, we do, so that's uh, shocking. But um, I want to go to what I so seventh place uh, Masato with the Rapid Strike Urshifu Iron Valiant list. Um, this is a creative point, and I'm going to bring this back to uh, the the teaching aspect and us learning the game. So, Inteleon Urshifu is powerful in, in a few different ways, but the main thing that people love about it is the, the sniping ability, right, of, of Inteleon. Discard a water energy, so you can do 20 to two different Pokemon on the bench, and that starts to stack. And then you can snipe with the Urshifu, you can now de-evolve, you can um, uh, hit with the um, uh, Metacham doing the move I never can remember the name of. Yoga um, Yoga loop. Yoga loop. So uh, Masato went into this and said, you know what? I still think placing tw- two damage counters on a bench is important, but I don't want to have to evolve. I don't want to have to discard a water energy. I'm just going to use the Iron Valiant and just retreat and run a bunch of retreat cards with the Urshifu, with the Yoga loop, um, which is still in the Iron Valiant list. But So they kind of took a different twist on how to get the 20 spread, which I think is really cool. I mean... In essence, it's the same deck as Inteleon Urshifu, which is so strong. You know, tons of them are everywhere in San Antonio. But this is just a different twist on it, Jared. And you don't have a VMAX liability. You don't have something weak to lightning, which the Inteleon is. And so many times I think it kind of gets stuck. I know it can do damage with the double uh, 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 rapid strike energy. But in reality, you should be doing other things. So I think this is a cool list. The rest of the cards are all pretty standard. You know, you have your research, you have you know, your worker, uh, the ro- all the escape cards known to man are in this deck. <laughs> it, I, I just like how he swapped out the Inteleons with the Iron Valiants in order to do the same thing that the, the, the Inteleons did. I agree. And and you also are getting a very strong weakness with the Urshifu into the in Mirrodon matchup, which I just noticed this, no Mirrodon. In the top 16. Yeah. yeah. What is up that with crazy? that? That is, I and, don't know. And, I'm, and it was there. I'm looking at some of the matches that they streamed below. They had three or four. I'm looking at at least four matches streamed that had Mirrodon in it. And I think it, I think it's a great play. Uh, I'm going to, yeah. I, I know you want to talk about deck number three. I want to talk about deck number five. Uh <laughs> Because okay. I've been waiting to see this. 
And okay, it's okay. I, I've been waiting for the Pikachu V Max to come back. Sure. Yep. And I know you love Arceus. You're a little more of a disruption yeah. Arceus player, though. But yeah. I have been waiting because I I've even been sitting around thinking about this. Like I'm so tired of getting beat by Iron Hands. I'm so tired of losing to Lost Box. I'm so tired of losing to these basics. The other thing I'm tired of losing to Charizard. But Flying Pikachu <laughs> V Max ain't gonna help you in that matchup. Sorry. Uh, nope. But but I, I I just love that play because it's so simple, and then it just gives you this huge inherent advantage over at least 50 percent of the field uh, i'm with you man i i mean if you can't be hit by by basic and the way you can play this out is just like it's just like perfect you know um with with the two pikachu it, it, it makes it so if you snipe one you you could just drop i mean in those matchups you're dropping two now it's hard for lost box even one shot of pikachu anyway but i think to give yourself some more comfortability you could put the two out there what does it hurt? You know, now you have sure. an extra free retreater or something. Um, but uh, what do you think the canceling cologne was for? Is that against the stall deck? Like Maybe. to hit the Mimikyu? I, I was confused about that. I That is a great question that I do not have a great answer to at this point. Maybe maybe there's some something in the meta in Japan that we're just not privy to, but I don't have a good answer for what what is coming out of that play. I'm sure there was a reason. I'm sure it worked for them in some of the matches. I don't have a good, I don't have a good rationality. Anything that you can think of? I mean, unless they're, no, sometimes like if you pulled out Spiritomb, but that's not, that, 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 that wouldn't affect that deck at all. Um, it's really just Snorlax. Or, but like you said, I don't think people are even running Snorlax over in Japan. Um, there's not like Klefki. That's not doing anything. I, I genuinely don't know unless they're sniping. No, there's no sniping in this deck, like for, for Manafi. Um, I don't know. If you listen to our podcast, uh, reach out to us. Let us know yeah, what you hit think. Us up. I, have, I have no idea. Um, I, I do not have a good answer at this, uh, at this juncture. But Jared, anything, three judge or four judge, three path of the peak, give it to me all day. Give it to that, like, like judge path, your opponent has to get lucky. And if you can just live with that and say, lucky, you got out of it, you know, I, I'd be okay with that sometimes. Sure. Um, so anyway. So talk I, to me, talk to me about this number three deck. Golden go, golden go to me feels like the deck. I, I think it is so flipping strong. It, it reminds me of Zorark of, of the past because your attacker is your mover. And it doesn't need a lot of energy, right? It's one. And now you have to still get it back in your hand and all the stuff to do big damage. You can one shot with it, which is great. The Palkia ad here is so good. I Those first iterations of Golden Go were like, eh. The Palkia is a great partner with this um, because you can still get the Greninja in here. You may not get it off all the time, but you can snipe with it, which is with, with the Greninja using the Palkia V-Star, which is great. Uh, the Milotic. Is in here, Jared? Do you know what that does? Uh, this is the one that when you lay it, it, it does something. I can't remember what the power is. You, you, you can't be affected. Your hand cannot be affected by what your opponent does. So if they play an Iono, can't doesn't affect oh, your hand. Oh, that's so brutal! Isn't that crazy? It's such a smart play. So you, your opponent 
Like, that's one of the plans, right? But even Golden Go can get out because it can draw so many cards. Um, but uh, I, I just think the Milo tick is so smart. So yes. uh, kudos to this kudos to this deck. Um, this would be the only thing, as we're sitting here now, and we know we have a tournament coming up in Knoxville, uh, February 3rd. I don't know, man. I might play this deck. Oh. This, this, this looks like a juicy deck right here. I don't know. No, I think it's still Snorlax, but this looks really <laughs> good. But anyway, so that that's why I love it, man. I think the Roxanne, I think Roxanne's are a great play. I, I'm kind of leaning towards at least a one of, um, but I don't know. Did, did you, did you like it or did you not like this? I did because, you know, when you and I first went through our episode of like talking about Paradox Rift, what's going to be go, we, we looked at Golden Go and we were like, well, yeah, like, yeah, one, like one energy, one energy draws cards. Stage one, two hundred and sixty health. I mean, apart from the Intei deck, which is not a big percentage of the meta, no one's really running fire right now. You don't have to worry about weakness. But what this deck turned into before this tournament, it felt like was just kind of like league fodder. It just couldn't. It couldn't get over the hump. It wasn't providing enough support damage. And again, yes, I think the biggest problem to this deck is the Iona because it is dependent on having those energy in your hand. You need those item cards. There seems to be a solution in those key moments for that. I'm so happy to see this because this Pokemon is uh, very well played in the VGC. And he's so troll. Like this is one of the trolliest Pokemon that I've ever seen created. It's so ridiculous. And it's fun to see it find high level of success. Like this guy's going to worlds based on this deck, Corey. He's going to yeah. worlds. He is going to worlds because he played <laughs> Golden Go. Like Golden Go Palkia just made worlds. Get that through your head. Do you think now he's forced to play it? Like you like now that you've made it, you have to play it. No, I don't think so. I think I think he should play it. I, I, I just I, think... I want to see what's coming out because what we're gonna have one maybe two sets and a rotation before Worlds maybe more yeah. maybe I'm maybe I'm off on that but uh, I, I I it'll be interesting to see how what's coming especially the rotation affects some of these decks which that will be a big yeah. episode that we have coming up when the rotation comes is looking at what's meta, talking about what really got hit and hurt and how to change it up. But that's a lesson for another time. Yeah, a lesson for another time. What? So, good transition, though. So, you know, it's fun to look at these tournaments. This happened halfway around the world, but it can still have an impact as we're, as, you know, as we're learning and getting better. Um, but, Jared, what would be, you know, we, we come every week with an educational tip. Um, we try to give our listeners, you know, I think we have, I think we have seasoned veterans of the game to listen to the podcast. We also have new players. So what what today would be your educational tip for the listeners? Well, my my educational tip actually has been coming from my frustrations in playing uh, PTCG live. Uh, I have been playing one deck nonstop, and uh, I just can't. I'm trying to make fetch happen. For all of you, uh, for all of you 90s or 2000s uh, movie going fans out there, I have been running Cofagregus, Cofagregus EX. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. I didn't Not, mean to uh, laugh. No, you should Sorry. laugh. This is a good lesson. <laughs> this is a good you. lesson. I think okay. it's awesome. It's really fun when I beat up on the meta with it. And it has an ability that I think is just ridiculous in Gold Coffin. 
but the truth is it just ain't happening. It's just not happening, Corey. And and if and if you're not making big strides, whether if you're consistently playing something at league or consistently trying something online, then if you're trying to get better at the game, then you what I, what we need to have a conversation at is what's a fun deck, what's a competitive deck? What's a fun okay. deck, what's a competitive deck? Me in yeah. my mind and my competitive spirit and my rogue sensibilities to opposing the meta. I'm like, I will spam this. I will tweak it. I will spam this. I will tweak it. I will iterate. I will make Kafagrigus work. Because I saw it top it top aided at some local tournaments. Some people, some other content makers made a video about it and they're talking about it. And I, I started sipping the Kool-Aid. I started sipping the Kool-Aid, Corey. And I'm probably 20 and 30 on this deck. If I could pull up individual deck statistics, which Pokemon, hello, we need to be able Whoa. to yeah. We need Come to on now. To do that. Yeah. Uh, but my, my, the thing is, when we look at the meta, and we said this time and time again, there's not a lot of the meta is very diverse. There's 17 or 18 decks that can get you to day two. But outside of that, it's very rare that something else breaks in. So can the lesson today is knowing when a fun deck is a fun deck. Corey, when is a fun deck a fun deck for you? And when is a competitive deck a competitive deck for you? Knowing when to hold them and knowing when to fold them. That's oh, it. I, li- I like it. I like it. Um, in in my mind, if the deck can draw cards, and if the deck can not be um, like uh, under a fifty fifty proposition against, you know, your top six or seven decks that are out there, then I feel like it's still viable as like not of. Uh, it can still be a competitive deck. And still maybe and still maybe in the realm of a fun deck, but if, if you can't if you can't check those two boxes, get it out of here. Because Jared, since since the since the beginning of time, <laughs> any compa- any competitive Pokemon deck can draw cards. It's just what it is, man. And and um go through every one that ever won. It's just what it is. And or it just has a broken supporter like uh SPs used to have where oh. you can find three three of all the things like so I think that's the break point. Um, Cophagus, uh, in the right situation, you know, it, it, it can get on top of you. It can spread damage. Uh, what's its ability? It hits like 110 and then does it, five it's damage. It's 110 and then you can put five damage counters on your opponent's bench. And its ability is when it gets knocked out, you can search your deck for any card. Okay, cool. So any card. So again, in situations, that may not be terrible. Um, but there are ways probably to get around those things. Uh, you know, Giratina can one shot you and not, and that ability doesn't go off. You know, there's other ways to get around. So I think that's at that point. Um, when you just get, when you're losing against those top tier decks all the time and, and you constantly are getting yourself stuck and you're not drawing because any one of us, Jared, can put together the deck, right? But then you start playing and it's like, I don't ever get the cards. I don't get that combo because it's yeah. probably not drawing cards. Okay, okay, so so this is great. Ask me how I'm drawing cards or finding a competitive advantage in this deck. You're just hoping that ability hits, <laughs> and then you find the card you uh, want. That- the, the deck runs Zatu, which lets you attach a basic psychic energy to a bench and then draw two cards, and then the Mew. But you're 100% right. My frustrations in this deck are not attacking. It's not in get decked out. It's 
I can't tell you how many games I don't have the hand that I need to be successful. Yeah. That's just what it is. Like, and, and in theory, those are nice things. Like you're attaching an energy, draw two cards. That feels good. The Mew kind of feels counter counterproductive because you should always probably have more than three cards unless you're getting Ion down. But this deck with the spread aspect, you're probably falling behind and then hoping to catch up at the end. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, how many times have you not had an energy but had the Zati? Oh, I can't tell like, you how many times. I can't, t- I can't tell you. I can't tell you yeah. so many times. Yeah, it's just hard. Like, because there's a lot. Draw twos, you should be like, dude, Zorar, draw two. Earlier, draw two. But it's like within your power, you can discard then draw two. So you probably always are able to draw the two. The attach energy thing. It, it, that you know you have you have to have another condition in order to to do that. So the the Galarian um, Shadow Rider, right? That was interesting because, but it was an additional attachment, right? Um, but where I guess this is too, because this counts as like, it is it is an additional attachment. Oh, so it is okay. nice. You you can catch up a little bit, but drawing two cards is not great. The only other supporters in the deck are one professors four I own like. You're you're yeah, I, you're you're in a rough spot. I, isn't the 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 cophagus, it What's the energy count to do that move? Too too psychic. See, too psychic. Then then who cares that you have the Zatu? Like like make that a four energy move or a three energy move, but one shot. You know, two fifty and then drop three damage or something stupid. Like then it makes sense. But this doesn't. You're having like so much goodness here, but it doesn't help you get to the dessert or something. You're not yeah. right. You're not right. So. And and the thing I want our listeners to understand is I want you to be careful of this phrase. Because how many of us have said this following phrase and then taken this mentality into a tournament where we're trying to be successful? The phrase goes as followed. Man, when this deck hits, it's over. Some iteration of when this deck hits, it's over. I can't tell you how many times. And what you're saying there is when I have my perfect setup, this deck is going to just destroy. So, so, so what we have to understand is now you're taking even more statistics against you into a statist- already statistically improbable run at a big tournament, and you're just heaping more frustration on yourself. Yeah. That's, and I never yeah. saw it that way. I always thought I was walking in with a secret that nobody else saw. <laughs> That nobody yeah. else knew, but all the better players saw was this is this is trash. <laughs> like, yeah. This, yeah. this if if it great statistically, this is not going to pop off against me in a two out of best yeah. two out of three. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, hi, my name's Corey, uh, and I like to play Greninja and Gardevoir. That <laughs> uh, all center around the, the it all centers around an attack that lets you put three stage ones on your bench from your deck. Set, I'm like, dude, broken. Like, if I just get this set up, it's GG. Man, Jared, if I could tell you how many times I got all three Curlias or all three Frogadiers on my bench in a, in a regionals, I, I mean, it never happened. Like, it, it's so in theory, you're like, oh my God, this is great. You always have one in your hand, or there's always one prize, and you just very rarely, now when you get that set up, I mean, it's almost GG. But very rarely does that always happen consistently, unless you're toured, then he gets it all the time. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm with you. But yeah, I think that's a good lesson. Going from fun to competitive, 
not not all the time is the competitive deck fun, but a lot of times the fun decks are always fun, but may not always be competitive. I may have just repeated myself, but no, I, you're um, dead on. You're dead. It's a good on. lesson. This and again, this isn't a knock against fun decks. Pokemon should be fun, and if you want to go have fun, go have fun. We're just talking about if you show up at a competitive scene, managing your expectations when you know you're running something that's going to require a little extra draw potential draw luck um something that you're like oh this is zany and it'd be a wild ride to make it yes it would be a wild ride for you to take Egregious all the way to a day two in in a yeah. regional pokemon tournament now is this a great league deck i think you can have a lot of success there mess some people up have some fun um but yeah i just wanted to have that conversation because i think me personally as i look back through my last 18 17 however many years in pokemon um i'm either running rogue or running fun in a tournament and uh and that's just how i'm built and i i got to get away from that if i want to see some more consistent success you bring up good points and i think uh we're we're building to that i i uh i know san antonio wasn't the result i wanted but i did go in with a meta deck and um you know felt a little dirty as i was playing it but uh that's that's how the that's how the cookie crumbles Jared and um you know one loss wasn't bad but lots of ties and at the end of the day when I can lose with a rogue deck I'm like but at least I was running rogue at least this, I was you like could pat yourself on the back this I was like I have no no recourse here I just feel terrible that, that is the mindset of of many great rogue losers such as myself is at least I didn't give in to the system at least I didn't yeah. give in to the meta right that's that's just who i am and and i'll lose 99 regionals to day two in one of them <laughs> and and show that it can be done just that little giants mentality 100 percent. no i i feel that i feel that so we won't Corey and i neither of us will be at charlotte uh coming up here in about what two and a half weeks um and then uh we'll see what happens for knoxville Corey is signed up for knoxville friend of the show logan is signed up for knoxville um, and then I will be there uh, playing a lot of side tournament GLC. My son and I, we're there for the packs, baby. We want the prizes. We want the swag. We want the packs. And that's what we're going to Knoxville for. Get the packs, baby. We need the packs. We're going to open the packs. Um, that'd be great. Maybe we'll give some to our amazing sponsor, uh, Stay Straight Collections. Maybe he can open the packs on his YouTube channel. Love that. that be- there you go. Love cool. that. All right. My brother, it was good talking to you. Um, we'll uh, we'll see what's up next week. I think we may have a guest on next week. Uh, talk about a performance that he had at a tournament recently. So um, could be fun. But uh, as for me, as for Jared, we'll see you next time on the Teach Me Pokemon podcast. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com. Teach me Pokemon podcast. Come and dive with us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.